Welcome everybody to the Monster Baby Podcast. This is a curious romp through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation. My name is Lisa Rowland. And I'm Ted DeMaison. Today on our 99th episode, we have a very special guest, Larry Dorsey Jr. Larry Dorsey Jr. is a creative powerhouse in the Bay Area. He's a stand-up mm-hmm. comedian. He's a sketch comedy. He's a sketch comic. He does improvisation. He's a company member at Bats Improv. He is a massive and mad freestyle freestyle rapper. He does he sort of does everything. He he does music. He's a musician. He produces music and he creates music. So he's sort of all all over the place and and you may have you may have seen some of the stuff that he does and he's here today to talk to us about some of the recent projects he's got going on and sort of how he sees art creation life. Mm-hmm. He's also an activist right. and a uh, spiritual practitioner, so you can hear some of those threads. And uh, he led us through a few games, which were kind of fun. We get into new territory that maybe we haven't walked into before, uh, but yeah. really fun conversation. And this one's a bit longer than usual, so I invite you to just hang around for a while and, or break it up into a bunch if you want. Um, but we're, we're putting it in one episode because next episode is gonna be our 100th episode and we wanna celebrate that with you. So if you go to the Monster Baby Facebook page, Monster Baby Podcast Facebook page, check it out. We're gonna offer some thoughts there about how you can share a story of how you have enjoyed Monster Baby or what has drawn you to us and uh, what you might wanna give back. And we would love to hear your voice for that. So we hope you'll take part and be a part of that 100th episode next time. Thank you so much, everybody. Happy listening, and we'll talk to you uh, on the flip side. Here we go. Uh, Larry, I noticed that on your Zoom screen, it just says Larry Dorsey. There's no junior. But but every time I, I, I hear your name, I hear Larry Dorsey Jr. So I'm curious. Help me. Help my confusion. Legally, I'm just Larry Dorsey, right? But my dad is Larry Dorsey as well, so I am a junior, but it's not on my birth certificate or my ID or anything like that. So that's why a lot of times it'll pop up as just Larry Dorsey. I got a question for you. I, this was not I, this was not one of my questions that I had thought about, but on the junior piece, like, what is it like having the same name as somebody else? And is that something that you're like, yeah, that's my dad and I like sharing his name. Like, is the junior part important to you? It, it, from the outside, it seems that it is, but like, what, like, how did, how do you, yeah, I don't have the same name as anybody else. So like, what is that like for you? It's about to get deep right now. It's about to get real deep. Okay, so uh, yeah. my dad is an old school kind of person. So he, mm-hmm. technically, I'm not even a junior. We have different middle names. Um, okay. I was supposed to be a junior, but like the year, maybe right before my mom got pregnant or something like that, my uncle was murdered. And so mm-hmm. my dad gave, he still wanted me to technically have his name, but my middle name, I'm named after my uncle who was killed like right before I was conceived. Mm-hmm. So my dad used to sometimes you know, uh, be like, you ain't no junior. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, that's the little spice on that. But honestly, yeah. I'm going to change my name uh, completely because it's a slave name. So I'm kind of, I'm mm. kind of done with it. My brother, he, he's, he doesn't trip of it, off of it as much as I do, but I'm just like, it's so weird to me. Like even with the name Marshawn Lynch, you know, the football player, 
It's like his last name is Lynch. <laughs> it's it's mind blowing to me. So I'm gonna change my name eventually, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna do it kind of like Muhammad Ali. I'm gonna wait for like a certain moment of success where I'm like in a certain position where it won't be like a big deal for like my career, but it will be a big deal for like society or whatever. So that's wow. my that's my, that's my goal. Yeah, but yeah that's, got it. that's what it's been like with my name. I never really liked my name. Uh huh. Yeah, I don't look like Larry. Do I look like I look like a Alfonso or Santiago or some shit like that? You know, that. Larry. Larry, it's really true. It's really true. It's like I, Larry would not be the first name that would come to me if I saw you on the street. So it's so funny to hear you say that yeah. because I don't think I ever articulated that before. But like, yeah, I hear that. Do you feel the same way about the Dorsey piece as well as the Larry piece? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. The whole yeah. thing. I'm changing everything. The whole thing. I'm gonna pick an indigenous name. Um, I already got, I already got my, the name out. I'm not going to say it just, I'm not going to say it. I got it, but I'm not going to say want, it. We want to know. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an indigenous name. Um, uh, so it, that's, that's what I'm going to go with. And it's not a common name either. I don't want something where there's a bunch of people with it. I just want something that's very particular. Like Muhammad Ali didn't go that route, which I think is, you know, it's a big, it's a big thing. If we get into this, like the colonization, and everything, like Arabs are the first people to colonize Africa. So for me, um, just Muhammad Ali, I'm like, yo, you chose a like an Arab name, like you could have went yeah. African, dude, you know. But it's yeah. whatever. <laughs> man, man, I mean, names are so huge. Like names are so huge. They carry such stories with them, or they can carry stories with them. So this idea of like, you know, and having just named a person, think about like. What you know, having having named my my daughter, like thinking about what yeah, what story does a name carry? And I was sort of surprised at myself that I wanted to incorporate names that were part of her, you know, like how my elders, the people in my in my world that um that have meant something to me, so that she carries a piece of them with with and then choosing, all right, so what story do I want my name to contain? And like, am I down with the story that it tells, or do I wanna do I wanna tell a a story that feels more authentic to me and what I value in the world and all of those things. It's like, it's huge. Like, it's a really huge mm -hmm. question that I think probably a lot of people don't necessarily engage, engage with. It's mm -hmm. like, you get your name and you got your name. A Lannister always pays its debts. What did you, oh, is that a Game of Thrones thing? Yeah. <laughs> I was with you, Larry. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I love cool. Game of Thrones and is they're so big on like legacy and dynasty and name. And like one of the, one of the things like you're known by your name and in the show, there's not a spoiler anymore because it's so deep. But a Lannister, <laughs> yeah. the thing they always say is a Lannister always pays his debts, you know? Uh-huh. And it, yeah. I, I thought it was so cool to like, you know, I don't have any generational information in my, from where mm -hmm. I come from or anything, you know, my dad, yeah. and then I, that's it. So, so for me, it's like, I want to start that legacy fresh when I have kids nice. with a whole new name. Like, these are the, what we're going to live by. This is the standards. This is the, you know what I mean? I like, love cool. Yeah. I love yeah. that your dad had the, he had like two windows he could open. It's like, you're a junior. You're my guy. You know, we're we're blood. And he's also got the back because of honoring your uncle. He's got the, the option to be able to say, like, I don't know you. <laughs> you're no, you're you're not no a junior. junior. You're not a pure oh, yeah. junior. <laughs> but, but now you're doing now you're doing your own thing. And yeah. you know, like you get to decide, am I still a junior? You know, it doesn't have to be 
you're like this I, I imagine there's some part of that piece that that there's an affection like a, a bond with your dad and you know yeah. i've got my my dad's last name my grandfather's first name on my dad's side and my great-grandfather on my mother's side his uh i'm sorry edward is my great-grandfather on my mother's side renee my middle name is my grandfather on my dad's side so i've got three generations all of men and that you know but, all the dudes yeah yeah. Um, so here's a question, Larry. I got a question, which is, you said, I want, I want, at a, I want to change my name at a point in my fame, sort of like uh, that, right? That it it makes a splash, but it doesn't affect what I've built based on the name that I've gotten and all of all of like sort of the flow that you're in, which brings us to your fame, sort of like <laughs> where you're at right now. And it feels like a good way in because there's like a million things that you've got going on. So I would love to maybe like, we'll do a whole intro for you in the in the intro of, of our of our podcast. So folks know who you are, but I'll just say right now, like stand up, music, sketch, improv, freestyle, like there's a million, like you've got, you've got like a million avenues that you move, that you move through. What are you envisioning when you say like a point in my fame, like clearly you're you're on a climb, and I'm wondering like, wh what do you envision? Like, what is your? Where do you think? Because I know recently you just got this huge sort of opportunity with Freestyle Love Supreme, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But like, what is your fame? What does that look like? What is the? What's the story that you tell? You know, I've I'm just recently coming to specificity because throughout my 20s i have no regrets but i have i look back like i could have done things differently because like you said i'm, I'm doing all these things but a, a master or a jack of all trades is a master of none right uh -huh. so yeah. i've been doing so much and you know i have i'm not the person i don't drink i don't party i try to go celibate for a period of time like i'm i'm not i don't really waste too i don't play video games so the reason I could do all these things is because of how I allocate my time is, is I, I'm very just like, okay, if it's not, my dad always says, <laughs> he when I, when I ask him for stuff, luckily he came to the Freestyle Love Supreme show, but usually when I go, that was the first show he came to in 10 years, by the way. But usually when I go, dad, do this, let's do this. He goes, are you paying me? I go, no. He goes, are you feeding me? I go, no. He goes, are you fucking me? I'm like, no and he goes are there business opportunities what's going on i'm like nothing i'm just your son and then he yeah, goes yeah goes, i'm, I'm paying you yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. i, I kind of developed that and not in um but not as toxic as him more like you know of course friends and valuable things i'm gonna uh, you know dedicate some time yeah. to but I, i'm really specific like if it's not towards building towards my dream, I'm like, ah, I think I'm gonna have to use the power of no. And I've been that way throughout my 20s, like everything, you know, bats at bats, like when college and when I was, you know, 10 years, 13 years ago, when everybody was going to parties on weekends, on Friday and Saturdays, I was at bats. And then on Sundays, I was at the punchline. So my nights were like, I'm done on the weekends. I'm, this what I do. So, but to all of that to say, I've always had the 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 theory or the the approach that just put in the work, work hard, 
keep your head down, keep your nose on the grindstone and things will manifest. And I had, I never really had a direction. Like working at the radio station, never would have thought that would have happened. Being, being out with bats, never, never had that on my goals mm. or plans. Thank you, Lisa, for, <laughs> for giving me the call. But I never, I never had that in my plans. Never had the radio station in my plans. Never had Freestyle Love Supreme. I didn't even know who they were <laughs> until fairly recently. So I never had any of this in my plans. I was just like, put in the work. develop the skill and things will manifest but now i'm at the point that you asked i'm at the point where i'm like okay specificity i just covid gave me that time to like say what do i really want to do and i told you on the phone when you first uh asked me about bats one thing i would love to do is be a part of snl right so Mm. what's the process of that right so now i have to now i have to think about that another thing i would love to do and um is do animation I would love to work in animation, I would, whether it's writing, voice, you know, you know, just storyboard, like just visions, you know, stuff like that. I would love to be a part of animation. And then the other thing is I will I want I'm trying to get deeper with Freestyle Love Supreme. They I just did some um, some shadowing of classes. They're going to start working me into teaching and stuff like I can't tell too much of what's going to happen because I don't know, but they said they should have me on some tour dates as well. So I'm happy about that. Of course, I have no expectations, but those are some of the things that I've kind of like, okay, these are the the little small steps that I want to do and then go viral. I haven't been doing my content lately because I've been focusing on music, yeah. uh, but I'm going to get back into doing skits again uh-huh. pretty soon. And then I have a bunch of friends who've gotten big. Got a, one of my friends is got a Netflix special. She, okay. y'all might know her. She got a Netflix special off of going viral on TikTok. You know what I mean? And now, <laughs> and that's someone I know. But yeah, uh, Sarah you Cooper. Ever, yeah. Oh, yeah, Sarah yeah. Cooper. Yeah, of course. Oh my God. Yeah, totally. And yeah. so I'm like, okay, I guess social media is the future. So I guess those are my like immediate avenues of how I'm, how I'm going to go about it. But, but the, but the next step definitely is I have to move to, I have to move to New York. I have to leave the, I've been, I'm, I've been in San Francisco my whole life. I have to, mm. I have to leave. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's not exactly the, the launch pad that New York or LA might be <laughs> in, the, in the direction of the arts. Right. And if Saturday Night Live is your goal, like New York's where things happen. Right. And, fa- and by the way, fame isn't my objective. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I have no expectations. Anything could, anything I have my, it's really, I just want to get paid to be creative. That's it. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I put in the work and I have the, the crazy life experience to offer something different. And that's, that's about it. And I want to, I want to change lives doing it. And that's why mm-hmm. I got into comedy when I was a, when I was in kindergarten, I was a class clown and there were certain kids who wouldn't laugh. And I would take offense to it, not in a, not in a negative way, but I'll just be like, yo, they ain't laughing. And I would befriend all like the outcasts and the weirdo kids because I mean, San Francisco I, being weird is a good thing, but I'm, but I would befriend them because I would be like, how can I make this motherfucker laugh? Right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's one of the, one of my driving forces to being funny was to trying to make kids who weren't always the most, you know, accepted laugh. I, I love that you're gonna like you're gonna do all these different things. You're gonna get big enough for the name drop. That's just what we just gotta get big enough to <laughs> maximum impact with the name drop. Then we'll see. But you've you've got 
it's it's a Lisa and I talked about this on an earlier episode about uh, about goals and targets and but the improvisational lifestyle. I mean, it sounds like you're living an improvisational lifestyle of do your thing and see what shows up and then engage with that and and it's so different from so much of the the competitive world we live in and the capitalist world we live in is like no you got to lay out your goals you got to achieve them one by one and that can be super valuable too i know tons of people who take that route and have amazing success right and sometimes i can be envious of that success and yet it doesn't it doesn't speak to my heart right i mean and so it sounds like you've got this creative approach in the things you do but also to your to your larger life as a whole and you know and because of that like th really things are awesome. coming to you yeah i feel like the, the thing that i'm really inspired by in what you just said is like this combination of see what comes and respond to it and also incredible intention with how you spend your time so it's not like mm -hmm. um like i feel like some people have life plans that are like well, I've got to complete medical school by the time I'm this age. And so I'm going to do this and that's going to lead me to this. And if I don't get the internship that I plan to, then my entire plan is off, right. It's like very like yeah. <laughs> specific and it's outcome oriented. It's like, well, I have to have done this by this time and this by this time. And so, and they exercise their intention around how they spend time to like achieve that goal or like meet that North star or whatever. And I love my what college you're saying. Roommate, by the way, that's my college, college roommate. roommate was like, yeah, he and he's now a hand surgeon. Like, okay, well done. <laughs> he did the thing. Yeah. He did the thing. Yeah. But so I love that you're not like, no, no, no. You know, my job is just to see what happens. But it's like, no, I spend my time on these things. Like, and and then I see what happens. Like, like a lot of a lot of intention, a lot of integrity in like the way you spend your time, and and controlling what is perhaps today's most valuable commodity, which is your attention. Like there's your hours and then there's your attention. Like, what are you paying attention to? And what mm -hmm. is worth your attention and your energy? And it's what everybody is competing for, right? Like Facebook and the internet and this and that and all the, you like everybody's competing for your attention. And you're like, this is where I give my attention. Mm -hmm. These these seven things are worth my attention. So I'm just like, I'm impressed by that. <laughs> I, I'm, like, I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's a cool combination of those two things of like, directionality and playing the moment we're like of course i've got a direction and i'm and i'm playing the moment that i've got i think it's also important to like in buddhism they say wanting is the beginning of all suffering and i think it's important when i like if i have a goal or objective especially now where i'm being a little more specific like whatever happens happens you know mm. and, and all i could do is try to do my best and try to do it with love and you know respect and that's all i could do you know i'm yeah. and and you know when if you look at it as success you know i'm i'm broke i'm i'm living with my mom you know i ain't that i ain't doing everything right you know it's a life of an artist <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but you're well, spending your I, time doing the stuff that means something to you yeah and and you there there's such power in that intention of you know, like we were talking about with my nephew, it's like, it's just do your thing, do your thing, follow your trail. And then, you know, your stars star comes to meet you somehow. And maybe it's a different star than the one you were shooting for, but shooting for that star you went for got you to where the second one showed up. I mean, super cool. Yeah. Well, I, I know you best, Larry, we spent the most time together in the class I took with you, uh, a freestyle class at Bats Improv. And I imagine that 
some of our listeners know what freestyle is. Some of them probably think it's a skiing or a swimming thing. Um, but but will you explain to our to monster baby listeners what you mean when you say freestyle or when you teach it or when you perform it? Well, like what is this thing, this beast? Improvised poetry. Hmm. That's uh, simple. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, the I think the rhythm aspect to it gives it a different flavor than poetry. But I usually just say improvised poetry so people can get the the the, the simplest understanding of it. Yeah. And how do, how would you say freestyle compares to rap? Is it the same uh, thing? Yes and no. Well, rap, R-A-P, rhythm and poetry. But I would say it comes it comes that, from wait wait is that where the word rap comes from is that what rap is that's what we say i don't i don't know if that's for sure where it comes from but that's what most people say yeah i love what thank you sorry carry on <laughs> that's great that's <laughs> accomplished okay. awesome all right great thank you but yeah it comes from the same cultural um movement of hip-hop Right, and then there's graffiti, dance, DJ, the music. There's like a there's several different pillars of it, and um, it's a it's a culture. A lot of people have the misconception that you know it's all gangster or criminality or whatever, but it's there's there's so much it's so much deeper than that, and comes from Africa. For me, it's it's an African spirituality, and because America is capitalistic. And has a lot of times exploited um, the the art of of African Americans. We didn't have a chance to ground, have a groundation. That's foundation and grounding of hip hop into a spiritual form, like reggae, for instance. Reggae, Jamaica is like a black country. Most of the people there are black, so they had opportunity to, to make reggae. When you think of reggae, so it's a deep, you know, there's a deep essence to it. It's, it's, yeah, smoke weed. People think that, but there's like a powerful spiritual essence to it. And with hip hop, it could have went that direction, but before we got a chance to, to like really define what it means to us as a community, it was it was commodified and commercialized and turned into something that's about money. And then what does money come with? It comes what sells negativity and gossip and drama. And so it just went all the way that direction. And you know, I work in the music industry, so I know this for sure. And there's also there's also a part of why the things that get promoted are negative in hip hop is also because the people who create positive stuff tend to not have their pulse on on what's what's hot. Like mm -hmm. it's very rare you're gonna find somebody who gets into the mainstream who has a positive approach, who knows what how to how to get a following. You know, a lot of times there are people who people are like that's corny, you know? <laughs> so, so, but now we're at a point where hip hop is the most popular music. So corny stuff is going to, is going to start getting more shine too. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's going to eventually the, the narrative of what hip hop is, is going to change. Yeah. I got a question for you. So, so a lot of what we talk about on the, on the podcast generally is sort of like, yeah, the, the idea that this, art form certainly of improvisation it, it, it's in the places that it sort of can can enrich our lives and for me improv like the rules of improvisation 
have come the closest to being sort of a code of uh, a, a code that I want to live by, right? Like generous, bold, playful, attentive, um, accepting all of all of these things. Making so like, everybody else look better. Yeah, exactly. Lifting, lifting up, lifting up the people around me, um, taking care of one another, all of the, you know, of, of your partner. And I, and I love what you just said, which was like, there's a, there's a spirituality in hip hop culture that a lot of people don't know about that sort of didn't get to get rooted before it was taken, before the, before hip hop was taken and sort of exploited. And I wonder if you can go into a little bit what, where you find the spiritual underpinnings of hip hop, like what are those for you? And does, does hip hop give you, give you that? Or is that like a way that you engage, engage with hip hop? Yeah anything in there. It's interesting you say that because you you both have met my mom. My mom's an immigrant, English second language. Hip hop wasn't even invented by the time she she moved to the US when she was 25. So by the time she came here, there wasn't any, she never heard of hip hop. So when she hears, like that's all my brother and I grew up listening to. When she hears it, she doesn't even know what the hell is going on. And to her, it just sounds like a lot of noise, right? <laughs> it's yeah. like, so, so, but for us, like, it's a feeling. So Miles Davis is funny because I have his, I was wearing my Miles Davis mask today, right? He's one of my top artists of all time, top three of all time. And he said that he could close his eyes and walk into a room and tell whether if it was a black person or a white person playing, right? And, so, and Duke Ellington, another uh, historical jazz person, said that... Um, jazz was uh, Negro feelings, right? And jazz and blues and that comes from Negro spirituals and slavery, right? So there's a certain, there's a feeling. And, and I tell people this and, and it's, most people probably will never understand unless they're black. When you listen to certain rappers, there's a feeling that if it's not, if I don't hear that feeling, I don't wanna listen. Oh, I'll listen to it, but it don't, it doesn't hit me. And it's funny because Eminem, a lot of times he he's considered someone who's one of the greatest rappers of all time. He was able to capture not that feeling, but something similar similar to it. And when he first started rapping, it's just that that angst and that you know what I mean, that just the the trauma or whatever, right? And then when he after the movie he lost it. And, you know, there's several factors. He stopped doing drugs. His best friend was murdered. Several things happened, but he lost it. And I don't hear it anymore. Right. But if you play his old stuff, black people loved them back then. Black people don't listen to Eminem no more for the most part. Right. Back then we loved him because he had that, mm, that like, ah, and I can't, it's like, it's like a, it's like an essence. I can't explain it. But a lot of times, I'll hear like the rap that a lot of people like the hip and the hippity hop and all that kind of stuff. And I'll be like, I just can't feel it. <laughs> I don't feel it. You know, I don't, I, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't hit me. It doesn't hit me. But this, uh, I don't know if that answers your question, but this, I guess the spiritualness of it is, it's just, okay, I got it. So Tupac, Tupac's my favorite rapper, right? Mm. And so post-civil rights, there was laws passed, several things that's happened, you know, assassin. A lot of people think of civil rights as a great time. It's like all our leaders were assassinated. Movements were shut down. You know, we could go down the list of what was implemented to, to, to stop the movement. And so Tupac, I feel like represents what happened after the movement, which is hopelessness, 
right? So we went from like, we tried like civil rights. Oh man, we're, we're on the rise. We're educated. We're, we're trying to do things. And then it got all smashed. And then Tupac's like, well then fuck, if we can't do right, then fuck everybody. We're going to do wrong. And so there's like a certain, a certain feeling of hopelessness. Mm-hmm. And, but within that hopelessness is like rebellion and, and, you know, we're still going to do our thing kind of, you know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. yeah. I think all of that encapsulated into like an energy <laughs> yeah. is what the spirituality is. It's revolution. It's, it's like, yeah, I'm still and, here. What's up? You and know? solidarity. I mean, it's like yeah. unity in this, sto- in, in this story, right? Like it brings mm-hmm. you, yeah. Solidarity, resurrection. Like I, I'm, I'm hearing in what you're describing, like if there isn't an, an awareness uh, or a sensitivity to the suffering and also the power to, to survive and to say, we are still here, we're still doing that, we're still doing something and we're gonna be self-directed in that. Like, you can't keep us down. Yeah. But if it doesn't have that combination of, of elements, then it's like, it's missing something. Exactly. And, you know, the 90s, the golden era of hip hop, that we had it, we were kind of like looking up above it. And then once 2000 hits, everybody was just like, oh, I see hip hop is a way out. And it became about money in the 2000s. And then 2010s is just like, we're living in the trauma. It's no longer, you know, pushing back. It's no, not even about money. It's just like, it's like most, most rappers and not to generalize, it's just turning, they're not even being innovative a lot of the times. It's just, you know, I would say rhythmically, musically, yes. You know, the people say, criticize mumble rap, but I'm like, yo, if you didn't speak English and you heard mumble rap, you would think it was sonically amazing because it's just like, it's just so many rhythms coming at you. It's, 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 it sounds dope. But since we speak English, we hear all the negativity that comes along with it, the perpetuation of misogyny, et cetera, et cetera. But, but when it comes to like that essence of golden era hip hop, you know, it's, it's it, you're rarely going to hear it and the the craftsmanship like the art of lyricism like you're not going to hear that either that's why people love Kendrick Lamar so much because he was one person to really try to nowadays to try to do that and he broke the mainstream you know mm-hmm. but other than that it's like so I, I'm noticing a, a I don't know if tension is the right word but like a maybe a paradox like you are you have such a passionate feel and a such a deep intellectual understanding of the patterns and the rhythms and like you you care about this so you have a standard of like what makes something good or not and so that and at the same time you know in the in the class it was just like whatever's coming through is great and you were super supportive and reassuring people that their creativity was also you know uh was worthwhile how do you how do you balance that out like either when you're teaching or just in general when you think about the art of freestyle um it's tough because sometimes there's a balance i don't want to feel like i'm selling out (laughs) it's it's tough but in improv scenes too just being on stage and improv you know i've i've discuss this with people before like we're gonna do a scene in the 1950s and then all of a sudden what do i'm start whistling and sweeping a broom like what, what am i supposed to do right and yeah. so and because i'm not gonna i i feel it's it's harder for me to compromise my who i am for a scene 
right? In that situation, it's just like, I'm not, cause then I'll feel like I'm even more selling out if I'm like, just, oh, you know what I mean? Everything's okay, you know? And so it's, it's, a, it's a tough line, but people always tell me who else, if it's not gonna be you, right? Even with Freestyle Love Supreme, right? It's like, who, if, 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 you know, they need you. That's what my brother said, they need you. You know what I mean? They need, a, they need a, <laughs> yeah. you know, so I think, I think it's just, you know, I'm not trying to say you gotta be gangster with it, but it's that, it's that spiritual, there's you gotta have some type of edge with it. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough balance, you know, it's a tough balance, especially cause most of my students are white, you know, then there's rarely black people taking the class. So it's, it's tough. It's, it's a tough thing, but for me in the end, we're all humans and it's, it's inevitable. The whole world loves hip hop at this point. So, you know, if someone's going to teach it, it's going to be someone who started freestyling over a, a trash can on fire in the projects. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to be, if someone's going to teach it, it's going to be me, you know? I so it's, it's, but, but like what you're saying, as long as people are authentic to themselves, yeah, it's it's true. It's true expression. You're not trying to, you know, do caricatures and all this other stuff. You're just being true to you. Is that's that's the best way to teach it. Just you know, and yeah. it's, and if somebody if somebody connects to their own suffering, I'm just thinking this as you're saying this, Larry. You know, maybe I've lived a sheltered, very privileged life, but if I connect to whatever my suffering is, because we've all got something, yeah, that that then opens an internal window to like, okay, now I can be more available to see the suffering that's wider or maybe deeper or more intense than mine. And like, now there's some solidarity becomes possible. That wasn't. Yeah. Right? yeah. And also there may be people who resonate with what you're talking about, you know, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. There's going to be people who listen to what, you know, certain rappers are talking about and not even understand what the hell's going on, but then they'll hear uh, MC Teddy on the mic and they'll be like, Oh yeah, I, I feel this. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Well, I suppose also when you're starting to teach people, like step one needs to be, well, just get creating, just start doing it. And you've got to, you've got to free people up to feel like they can do it. And once they're doing it, then you can be like, okay, so you're doing it. Great. Now let's talk about what makes it good, you know, or like what makes it, well, right? Like you got to get people moving before you can tell them they're not moving in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And we're, you know, I, there's so many, there's so many complexities, but at the end of the day, we're all humans. And I think cultural exchange is, 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 is you know, the silk road, you know, we can go down throughout mm -hmm. history has always been happening. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's just, is what it is. It's just the, 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 the feeling is the, the, the selling out feeling. We wouldn't even have it if there was you know, through jazz, through blues, through all types of rock, all types of things, we never got our due credit or our or paid. Like, you know, a lot of uh, Red Fox, we go down the list of great artists who are black died broke, like nothing to their name. You know, shit, what was it? What was the homie name? Sly and the Family Stone? He was living in his van. I think y'all know the story. He was living in his van because he didn't get the ro royalties or anything. And then finally he won the suit just recently or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I'm still going to live in my van. But, but it's like, it's like, if that wasn't a part of the history, 
it would we wouldn't even be tripping that much. We'd be like, yeah, everybody rap, everybody do everything. But it's like, even you seen straight out of Compton is like all these people have been hit with deals where they didn't make anything and they just got exploited. And so it's like, for me, it's like reparations is the only cure for us to not have that that salt in our mouth forever, pretty much right. in this country, at least, right? It's just like, if, mm-hmm. we, if we don't get reparations, it's, we're constantly gonna have that bitterness of just, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. we never got paid. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like the score, we just, like it does something to even the, to even the score. Yeah, it's something yeah. to like, to, to acknowledge all of that. Yeah, well, um, let's say you, you steal, steal land, you build a school on it. Well, okay, the school may be a good thing, but you still stole the land. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so it doesn't go away. If if I may, you just referenced it. And I know that I have heard this story before, but I wonder if you would tell the story of how you started freestyling, like how you discovered this. The, tell, talk about the garbage can fire, right? Like in the projects, like what what, what was that for you? How did you, how'd you get going? How did you discover it was something that spoke to you? That was that was like the first that was the first like serious when I was like really trying to get good at it. But I guess you could say I really started with my dad. My dad likes cruising. So we just get in the car and we ride around. And my brother and I were so energetic (laughs) that one of the ways to kind of like calm us down was he would play the rhyming game. So he would say a word like he would say anything beach. And then we would try to go to see who could last the longest rhyming the word at a very, very young age. Like I was like eight, nine, you know, he would play this game with us. And um, I think that was like the fir- the foundation of it. And I was writing poetry at the same time. And then at 10 is when I started rapping when I was 10 years old. And I remember the deepness of it is I remember my teacher, Mr. Gamble. I'll never forget him, Mr. Gamble, really tall white dude, but hip, love hip hop, you know what I mean? And it was, my middle school was pretty much all black. So he was like one, you know, trying, you know, he knew what the culture was, right? And so uh, he got my notebook one day and he read it and he was all like, he, you know, I was part of the hip hop club, whatever. And he was all like, I was talking about killing people and all types of shit. And he was like, do you do any of this, right? He knew I didn't, I was 10, you know, I was 10 years old. And I was just like, no. And he goes, then why are you writing about it? And I was like, cause you know, that's the rap and this and that. And he was like, from, he's like, I have a challenge for you. From now on, whenever you write, you could only rap about things that you actually do. And I was like, okay, right. And then another teacher read my one of my journals, right? And they said, wow, I noticed you use a lot of profanity in what you wrote. So I challenge you from now on, you can no longer use profanity, right? Cause they noticed I wrote a lot, right? And so then it put me in a position where I'm like, I haven't really, you know, I, growing up in the city, you experience a lot of life, but I haven't really done a lot of shit. I was a kid. So it, ha- it put me in this predicament where I had to come up with lyrics still. And so what I would do was I would become really abstract with it. Hmm. I would become very creative because the only thing I could do was get metaphor use metaphors and stuff like that because I can't cuss and I can't talk about things I don't do so let me get my imagination and so um that's like the how I started like really really rapping and then eight mile came out when I was in middle school and I was big on freestyle and everybody thought they could freestyle and you know and I was pissed off because I was like 
I've been rapping. Now everybody thinks they can rap since 8 Mile came out. I was all like, man, this is some bullshit. I was a rapper before everybody. But um, <laughs> kid stuff. Yeah, so I got in trouble. I was I was involved with a lot of criminal activities in my teenage years. And um, so what I remember, it's funny too, the first time I ever robbed somebody, I wasn't the actual person doing the robbery. I was with the people who did it, right? I was usually the person on the side. And <laughs> so we ran home and they ro- we were like 15 years old. They were rolling up a blunt I have never smoked before. And they were smoking and I was like, nah, I don't want to smoke. And they looked at me and they're like, Snoop Dogg smoke weed. Tupac smoke weed. You want to be a rapper, right? And I was like, damn, I do want to be a rapper. And they do smoke weed. And so that was the first time I hit weed was the first time I was a part of a robbery, like in the same day. (laughs) But yeah, so I was involved with all types of criminal activities due to socioeconomic generational wealth. Okay, never mind. But um, anyway, and so, um, so I got into so much trouble, I had to leave the state, right? I had to either go to jail or leave the state. There was a detective and all types of, it, it got real deep, right? And so um, when I left the state, I happened to be staying in uh, these projects with a girl I was dating. And there was another guy who was on the run too. And he was from Oakland. And so he kind of like connected with me and he his name was Scream G's and he had like a DMX voice, real deep voice, right? And um, he, would rap for like 10 minutes straight. And we would be around, it was snowing where we were at. It would be a, fi- a trash can on fire. Someone, they're Polynesian, by the way. They're, they're more black, they're all Polynesian, Samoans and Tongans. And they would be playing the ukulele. And one person would be beatboxing. He would freestyle and I would be the other person standing there. And after he would finish his freestyle or like that segment, he would pass it to me. But the whole time I would be premeditating my rhymes. I would be building like eight lines in my head, thinking hard as fuck. <laughs> Just uh, uh, and then I'll drop my eight, and then I'll hop out, and he'll go back in. Boom, 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 boom. Pass it back to me. I'll drop my eight, and it got to a point where I got really good at building up a certain amount of lines in my head, right? But I still felt like. Like it was, it was real difficult. Like it was just like I'm, I'm putting all this stress on trying to come up with shit. And so when I came back home, my brother was playing basketball, and he had a, on his team he had people from all over. He was, you know, he, my brother ended up going Division One, but on his team at the time he had people from all around the country, right? Because they're all trying to get their scholarships. And so there's people from Texas and Tennessee and New York, and and so after their practices they would come over my house. And it'd be like, we'd be like 12 deep, all smoking weed. And, you know, growing up, we would, we would roast, right? Like culturally, that's what we would do. We'd be in circles and we would roast each other. Ah, this motherfucker look like this. Ah, you look like this. And we'd spend hours just roasting, roast, 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 roast. And it got to a point where we were older, ego started kicking in. And so people would be like, yeah, well, fuck you then. And it it might turn into a fight. So we had to switch up. Okay, we can't be in a circle and roast. What are we going to do? We're going to freestyle. So there's all these people from all over the country with different styles, different bounces, different dances, different slang. And we would spend like every day hours freestyling. Boom, 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 boom. And me, I'm I'm repping for San Francisco. So I'm like, yeah, I got to come colder than them. So I would end like when I, w- I would run like Merced, you know, I'd freestyle to myself. I was just freestyling all the time to kind of get competitive with them. And um, that's when it really started. I was around 18 when that was happening. That's when it really started getting... I started getting real good at it. 
And at that point, it just became habitual. I just freestyle to myself all the time. I'm always, I'm always just working wordplay, doing writing everything down, you know. But yeah, that that's is such a cool transition from that. <laughs> Long story. I, I'm, I'm tense, trying to hold on to these eight lines. I'm going to come up with a thing that's really good, like, and yet being forged by your circumstance to then, okay, I got to put some other neurons together here, running around the lake and like. All of a sudden now, ooh, I've got this ability. I can I can do this now and you know. I can go forever. I yeah, I yeah. love that. I, I used to that. think I used to think too after watching Eight Mile, like, wow, that's impossible. You know what I mean? <laughs> and now I'm at a point where like I could do that. <laughs> I could do that for sure. I could do that, yeah. you know? So it's yeah. it's funny to see like, you know, the progress of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. one of those things like most people want if they come to a a great improv show or like that can't there's no way they made that up that you know you watch one of one of your performances lisa with an improv playhouse of san francisco or bats and a long form story that's got you know some intrigue and some mystery and it's like something shows up in the last scene that was in the first how does that i can't possibly do that right they must have a formula they must have yeah. figured it out and it's like no there it would never have worked with a formula like the, the magic yeah. wouldn't be there so i yeah. love that evolution that you, yeah yeah and then now now larry you've got that uh, that ability so it's like yeah sure just give me like when we went to see you with freestyle love supreme the other night you're like okay here we're gonna give you a word and you just integrate it there's another word integrate it integrate it yeah <laughs> so that's cool that's really cool we're wondering if you got a game for us, something we could we could try out, or or something that when you're when you're introducing people to freestyle or teaching them or just playing with it, like what's something you have people do that maybe we could try here? Um, yeah, I got one. It's pretty fun. Yeah. So the game, um, I saw I first was introduced to it through TikTok. It's like it was like viral, but um, it's probably there's probably I don't know who to give credit to, but it's a dope game. So there's a foundational word that we have, right? We'll pick a word. Let's say, let's say it's um, blue, something simple like blue, right? Um, we like, me and my friends like to get more complex with it, add multiple syllables and different, you know what I'm saying, sounds. But so when they say blue, so you'll start off by saying, we're talking about blue. Did I play this with you, Lisa? Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, it was great. And, and then, <clears throat> then you try to lead them to the rhyme by giving like a description or like a like a sentence or a question that helps them get the the next word right that rhymes with blue so i would say you know that thing that you put on those things that you put on in the morning on your feet and then you would go oh you're talking about shoes but we're talking about blue and then whoever picks it up takes it to the next one. Oh, you know, when something- you know, you know that thing that detectives use when they're trying to solve a mystery? Well, you're talking about clues, but we're talking about blue. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, you know how when you're on a big <laughs> boat, like you're in the Navy and you got people who are just covering all the things that need to be done on the boat. You're talking about crew. Oh. We're talking about blue. <laughs> you know where, where you could go see animals and you could look at them? 
Yeah, if you're talking about the zoo, but we're talking about blue. You know, you know, um, it's like the opposite of when you're lying. So the things that you're saying. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about what's true. Yeah. We're talking about blue. All right. But so, you, you know, you've got a you got a door and you want to go to the other side and you're just you got you got to move you're past the door. Go through. Oh, <laughs> But we're talking about blue. I think. You know that it could be on it could be on objects, but it is also considered a soda drink that is with mountains. Oh, you're talking about dew. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about dew. That's fine, but we're talking about blue. <laughs> you know, uh, it's the it's a it's the thing that beer makers are always doing it's one thing that beer makers do in order to make beer yeah yeah i think you're talking about brew uh, but we're talking about blue <laughs> okay uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know if you're if speaking of beer if you're sitting at a bar and you, you don't have a chair but you know you got something with three legs you just it's gonna be sturdy enough you know you're talking about a stool I was with you. I was with you. <laughs> Thank you, Larry. Thanks for picking me up. I was like, I can't find anything. My man's going to have me. He's going to have my back. <laughs> what is, what's, okay, um, so, yeah. I, 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 I was going to say, I was going to ask, but then I thought, well, maybe we, Lisa, you and I should just uh, reflect on a little bit. Like, what is that game doing for us before Larry drops his wisdom on what the game's doing for us? Like, what do you, when you're playing that, Lisa, what, what happens for you? I got to say, I find it strangely delightful. Like, I'm so excited every, at every turn. I'm like, I know what you're going for. So there's sort of like a fun guessing game part about it. And then the, and then the correction thing where it's like, oh, you're talking about this but we're talking about this is like, for some reason it, it creates a really fun dynamic between people. It's like a friendly, uh, not, a, it's not necessarily competitive, but it's like, a, right. it's like, it's just like a friend. It's a, it's a fun, friendly, uh, vibe mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the, in the, just in the structure of it. Like, Oh, you're talking about this, but we're talking about this. So it's like, I see where you're going and we're doing this other thing and then doing, I don't know. I just sort of love the rhythm of it. I took the I took a the first time, like my mind just raced towards wanting to find one for the next time it came back around to me to have. Yeah. And whenever I'm teaching improv games, I'm always coaching people like, hey, just see if you can honor that voice. Say, thanks for trying to protect me. Let's go ahead and surf the wave when it comes and not worry about crashing. And then so that's a fun process for me to kind of get back into. And then yeah, a couple of times like. I don't know what I'm going to say. So I'm just going to start talking about something. And then it, like with a door, I, I just had this thought of like, do this, do this thing with your hands where you're making some shape. And then I'm like, oh, right. Okay. Now we're going to. Did I get that uh, one? Was you, were you going for through? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. By the way, Lisa, I don't think, you know, and I'm not exaggerating. Ted could actually freestyle pretty good. 
He got he could. Yeah, I I'm really impressed. When he's when he drops bars, I'm like, whoa, okay. Like he has a good sense of rhyming and like putting hmm. connecting lines and stuff, yeah. I'm not entirely surprised by that, based on your love of <laughs> And you know, Lisa, you made me think of something when you were talking about like how satisfying it is the correction. Yeah. In the science of stand up or comedy and laughter in general, right? There's the sense of unexpectedness, but there's also that everything is going to be okay, right? So as a comedian, mm -hmm. when you're on stage, the audience knows that you're you're not being serious. Like the classic banana slip. If someone slips on a banana, they fall, you laugh because you know they're okay. So the correction is funny because you know that they're not actually correcting you. It's just a part of the game, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that makes good sense. I love that. We get to see a little and there's also mess the fact that, it's, that, that part yeah. of the part of the game means that maybe you just said this, Ted and I was talking over you, but like part of the game is that we we all get corrected, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to correct you and then I'm going to do something and I'm going to get corrected and then you're going to correct me and then you're going to get corrected. And we all just sort of are, we're all agreeing to do that together. And so it's, it doesn't mm -hmm. feel like our ego is involved. It's just like, yeah, yeah good. Let's keep playing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When, Mary, when you mentioned my doing freestyle, I, there was a time in our class, like, I, I don't know. I remember what was the six, six classes we had or four classes, something like that. Right. That in the first couple, I remember struggling be like, oh, I, 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 maybe I was trying to put together these neurons for the first time for myself. And there was like, my brain just wasn't there. But at a certain point, I kind of got the insight of like, oh, wait, you don't have to find a rhyme, like right on time to have a rhyme be effective. You can just keep going with your idea and just keep seeing what shows up until something comes back around. And then it's, and then, and now when you bring it back in, it's got this sweet, click to it because yeah. it actually took longer than people expected it to take right and so that that permission that was a little bit in this game the way the way that i was switching to play it in the in the later part it reminded me of that element of, of freestyle that in the latter classes with you having that feeling of like oh okay yeah it's gonna be all right something's gonna show up just keep talking you know just keep saying something and that's that's a fun little path to walk down. That's a fun little the, path the, to walk down. The key with it is not to go crazy when it does click. It's to stay grounded because when it does click, you want to go. Oh, I can't what? Because it's so because yeah. you you weren't expecting it. You're just following the path, and then it hits, and then you're like, oh, you gotta you gotta make sure yep. that you stay grounded so that you yeah. continue and not see what else you could discover. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and 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 part of the fun for that with me was playing around with metaphors, right? So uh, if I'm talking about the struggle of working with a, a, a jar that I can't open and I'm twisting and I'm twisting and then I'm trying to get my fist in the jar, but I can't because it's closed. And now, you know, I'm trying to look for something that's more powerful than a fire hose and just introducing all these things that... The, like we start to get the what's more powerful than a fire hose now i'm going to start to get some analogies and i can get all this colorful stuff becomes available you know it reminds me lisa of exercises that you did i've, I've seen you do or i've gotten to do with you when we're doing shakespeare stuff uh, right yeah. which doesn't surprise me so shakespeare like magic amplify the emotion amplify the emotion use these analogies but it doesn't 
surprised me that those two would go together because Shakespeare was such a word master and had such incredible rhythm. And so it's not rap coming out of, uh, you know, African roots. And yet it's that same human delight in exquisite wordplay that's getting to some truth, you know, bringing it out for everybody to kind of see. Yeah, that's communicating something human in a really uh, rich way, which mm -hmm. both of these art forms well, which poetry does. And poetry shows up in these two art forms differently, but it's but it's still poetry. Yeah. Well, that's, that's fun. Cool. I feel a little juiced from the from the game. And I know you were just, you know, trying to come up with a little example there, you know? Yeah. Twisting, fisting. I see the I see I see the internal rhymes going. Oh, so good. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Well, I one of the questions I wanted to ask you, uh, so People who don't know who Freestyle Love Supreme is, Freestyle Love Supreme is a uh, a freestyle group that uh, our friend Anthony Veneziali started with Lin Manuel Miranda and a few other folks back in the day. <laughs> they all got together would would do this kind of this thing that you're talking about, Larry. Um, and then, of course, Lin Manuel Miranda had huge success within the Heights and and Hamilton. Anthony, I I, I think he's the driver you know, just got everybody together and they put together a Broadway run uh, 2019, just before COVID. I got to go see them uh, on Broadway and Anthony was super sweet and brought us backstage and all that. It was super fun. But they're, they're taking this art form and bringing it to new audiences that maybe haven't seen it before. So they're kind of starting to build this big platform and they've got a school to teach people and working with corporations and so on. So anyway, they're now doing a national tour. They come to town, they come to San Francisco. And as Anthony told it on stage the other night, well, when we came back here, everybody started telling us, you need to connect with Larry Dorsey. You need to connect with Larry Dorsey. <laughs> and then you get hooked up through you, Lisa, right? Partly. I was one of the voices. I mean, I was yeah. one of the voices that was like, there's no way that you can leave this town without connecting with Larry Dorsey. Yeah. Here. Yeah. yeah. So you but get I, connected. But I, was one of, I think I was one of a chorus of voices that said that. Yeah. 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 So you get connected, Larry, and then all of a sudden you're up on stage with them. And so Lisa and I were both at that show. And I just kept wondering, like, what is this like to be up there with this group? And like, does this feel like a, a, like, do you feel like a fish out of water? Or do you feel like this is totally home? Is this like somebody else's take on something that it feels not natural, you know, like a, a weird twist or I'm just fascinated. Like what, what, what was your experience with that whole thing? Cause it seemed like it was a, it was a fun evening at, at minimum. All of them were so kind and hospitable. Mm. The only emotion I could feel was love. <laughs> That's why freestyle love supreme because it was some supreme love going on, and I just felt hella welcome and comfortable. It was lovely, and I told Anthony, I said, "Yo, I spend a lot of time freestyling by myself because I don't really have like a community of freestylers that have been taking it seriously to a certain level." You know, even most famous rappers don't freestyle. So mm. I'm, kind of, I'm kind of like alone when it comes to that, you know, and there's certain people who are trying to get their feet in, but like, it's hard for me to freestyle with them because I feel weird. 
because I'll start going into some crazy shit. And then sometimes they're like, okay, I don't know if I want to continue freestyling with you. I don't feel, you know what I mean? It's like, so I told him and he was like, we're going to, we're going to get you some people to freestyle with. So he's dope. He's one of the dopest, you know, this is just off of meeting him. Right. So I, you know, I don't know anything else, but from what I got, it was, he's one of the coolest people I've ever met. You know, he's just hella cool. And um, being on stage with them, I felt, I felt like I just wanted to rap more. <laughs> I was like, and you know, I was like, man, I only got, you know, I ended up doing another show with them the next day at Speechless, right? And they, it was, it was hella dope because they were just like, Freestyle Love Supreme. They didn't even say with Larry Dorsey. They just said Freestyle Love Supreme. And I went up, I was like, oh shit, I'm okay. I'm okay. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I just felt like, yo, if I had an opportunity to do 10 shows like this, oh, oh, it was, it, it'll be some problems. It's going to be, I'm going to be trying to do some, I'm going to be ex trying to experiment. I'm going to be trying to explore and do mm -hmm. things I've never done before. You know what I mean? Just okay, I try to do, <laughs> try to work on patterns and rhythms that I haven't, you know, so that's what it was like. Um, I actually watched eight of their shows before I went up. So I was so, I was so tapped into what they were doing. I knew the little ad libs and the this and the that and the little things that they did. So I was kind of really, I was in tune with them. Um, yeah, I just, I just, you know, I never thought there was something like that because I, my favorite thing to do is freestyle, right? I never thought there was something like that. And I'm happy that there is. Now I'm like, the next step is I gotta, I gotta, get more deeper in with them right and it was never a part of my plan right my I wrote an 150 year plan for my life when I was 18 so I never it was never really a part of my plan so even if it doesn't manifest um the opportunity was amazing I'm very grateful humbled honored to have it and I'll continue going down my my plan and we'll see whatever like what Lisa was saying earlier the improv mind is just whatever is going to happen is going to happen and that's yeah. it but I would like to thank everybody who who put the word out for me. A lot of people at Speechless did as well. And it's funny because at Speechless, I did it one time. I did like a um, one of the open mics to get onto the main show. And I yeah. smashed and I won, but I couldn't do it. I, it was just part of my routine. It was just like I, I was doing seven comedy shows that night. And I was like, yeah, I'm wow. going to do a quick do a quick one. You know, then I'm going to bounce to the next spot, right? And, um, you know, on Saturdays, so you did the Saturday, open mic, but then you couldn't play in the main show. You couldn't play late, later that night. I was doing, uh, I was, I had seven other shows I had to do or six other shows. Right. And yeah, so, yeah. um, um, they, but they always hit me up and I never knew the significant, I didn't know anything about speechless freestyle. I didn't know nothing. Right. So I was just like, yeah, I can't do it. I'm busy. I'm booked. I'm this, I'm that. But they kept hitting me, kept hitting me. Finally, they hit me again. Larry, do you want to do this show? We're coming back. We're finally gonna have a show. You want to do it? I'm like, all right, I'll do it. Right. And, um, and I won. Right. And I won. And the video of me doing it, like, it's flawless. Like I looked at it, like with all humility, like I was like, damn, I was gassing. Like every line was hit. I was like, boom, boom, boom. And they showed, I guess they showed that to, you know, a bunch of people at Freeze All Levels. And they're like, whoa, okay, we got to have him, you know? So I got, it was just the, the cars, like everything just played into 
like played together. Like That's it was cool. just, Lisa gave me one of the craziest intros where I was just like, holy shit, like <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm the I'm the king right now. Like it was so, <laughs> so many things like came into play where, you know, it's really community and, and just the love, love improv, you know, people just really hooked me up, you know, and I, and, you know, a lot of people say, yeah, I did it all on my own and shit like that. Like, I, I can't say that at all. So many people, you know, show me love. So many people connected me, you know, to just more than just this, just in life in general, you know? So yeah. I always, I, I gotta be grateful for that, for sure. Hmm. I will and say, just for, I... for, so, so, for, so that folks who don't know Speechless Now, it's a form that is an improvisational form where folks are given a PowerPoint slide deck and they're supposed to give a presentation on something but they don't know what's in the photos and the photos come up and they have to improvise what they do and so sometimes speechless will use it as a skills training for a corporation but also they do it as a performance it's usually really funny and to watch improvisers make sense of what they're seeing and so that's what larry was referring to yeah and i love um, it it's amazing I it's really fun. It's a really fun show. It's a really, really fun show. And the folks at Speechless are so great. Like, it's a really joyful experience to participate in. Um, I just, what struck me about your story is that it's so indicative or like reflective of how you've lived your life, which is like, be the way you want to be in the world and then like, let the cards fall as they may. And, and I, and it resonated with me because there's times when I've been sort of overwhelmed by the by the gratitude of my community or like gratitude for my community and, the, and the, the opportunities that have felt like they are available to me because of the people in my world. And my therapist was like, you've been sowing these seeds for years and and like what you reap, the energy you put into the world, like it's going to come back to you in these little ways. So like, did you do it all on your own? Like, there's no such thing, right? There's no such thing as all on our own. And, and it's also like a result of of how you show up for people that they're excited to show up for you and to like, right? Like to lift you up and to like, it like makes me tear up a little bit because it's like such a beautiful way to feel it coming back at you is like so, oh, well, that's weird that that made me cry, but it's, it's like, it's like a really, what a beautiful, what a beautiful yeah. thing. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's really cool. Well, we're uh, we're coming around to when we might start wrapping up here. I got I've got at least two questions for you. Maybe Lisa's got one too. But um, you know, the podcast is partly about mindfulness meditation or you know being fully present. I'm curious. You talked about this sort of the spirituality of rap or freestyle. How do you experience it as a kind of mindfulness practice or or a yeah, can you say more about that? For sure, for sure I do. It's like when I freestyle, I'm not even thinking anymore. I'm not even there. I'm like and I and I and it's it because it's meditative, I yearn it. It's like a drug. I'm like I need to freestyle. You mm. know? And I get around people who rap and all I want to do is freestyle, but a lot of people their ego gets in the way where they don't want to freestyle because they want to be good. And I'm like, fuck being good. Like when we were young, growing up in the hood, it's just, we're just having fun. Like what, why you want to be good all of a sudden? You know what I mean? So I yearn for it. And, you know, a lot of times because I have to do it by myself, it turns into writing. So it's just stream of consciousness writing. Right. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, 
is definitely like the moments where I'm like in pure bliss, but also just in a trance where, you know, whereas no, I'm no longer thinking. Right. And I've been, you know, we're talking about meditation. I've been meditating since I was four years old because my dad's a martial artist and he trained us since we were my brother and I very young. So, you know, when you're about to enter a fight or anything, almost, if you're calm, right, you're when you get emotional, your frontal cortex or whatever gets blocked, you can't access logic as well as you could when you're very calm. So we've always been trained to be like that. And so a lot of situations, I'm just kind of, I'm very neutral. I don't get oh, oh, like overly excited, like or overly sad or anything. I'm kind of like a pond in the middle of the forest. And um, so we're talking about mindfulness for sure. That's, that's how I live my life. I'm very, you know, I'm my mom always says, because I always help her, like, when she gets into her, one of her anxious moods or whatever, I always tell her, I always, like, everything's going to work out. And she always goes, thanks for telling me that, puppy. And, and so, and so for me, that's just, that's just what it is. Like, I'm not, I'm not too much of a reactionary or, you know, um, person who's, like, gets all, I don't get anxious. I don't get nervous. I don't get none of that. Like, I just be calm at all times. And um, I have a stand-up joke. This is evil. It's hard. It's, it's bad. But I, I go to the audience. This is horrible. I shouldn't even say it, but I'm going to say it. I go, um, make some noise if you suffer from anxiety, nervousness, or mental health problems, right? And then the audience makes noise, and I go, you all have weak spirits. <laughs> it's horrible. I know. I don't actually mean that in my heart. But um, And I haven't <laughs> joke in a while. But, yeah, I, I, I've been privileged or blessed with this kind of like disposition where I'm like a very calm person. Like I could see people get killed in front of me with all types of the craziest circumstances. And I'll usually be kind of like just calm, you know, it's kind of in the forest. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And, and I, I would like to thank my parents, both of them for the way that, that I was programmed that my mind works like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you were taught you were taught the skill, like you were taught this skill, and you exercised it enough that it's like this is how I show up, mm-hmm. and it's got to help for improv and for just like get get all the get all the everything out of the way so that you can just be available to mm-hmm. what comes what comes to you and through you, and yeah, that's lovely. Mm-hmm. Lisa, you got any other questions before we wrap up? Um, I think my only question is like. Is there anything that you want to talk about or like say that we haven't asked you about? Or is there like a piece of this conversation that feels like it's missing to you? Or uh, yeah, anything you want to circle back on? Anything that's on your mind? This is the biggest thing that's on my mind. Redemption, forgiveness. That Those are the biggest things on my mind right now. Reconciliation, those kind of words, because I feel like we're at a point where humans are just attack, 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 right? And we make mistakes. I've made so many mistakes. I'm so far from perfect. I've done things I'm not proud of. I'm like, I've, <laughs> I'm, and I'm, I was that guy in, in growing up. I was the crazy guy. Go do that. Okay. You know, I'm the guy who would go do that, you know? And so I've done a bunch of stupid shit in my life that I'm not proud of, that I sought forgiveness from whatever I did, right? And, but we, we're not giving people the opportunity to do that anymore, like with the mm-hmm. Joe Rogan situation, right? Do I agree with what he says most of the times? 
probably not do do i am i a fan of his kind of right but do i like when he said the n-word nigga no i don't really like that but at the at the end i'm not gonna turn my back on somebody because they made a mistake right um if that was the case malcolm x would have never became who he was you know he had to go to prison to have that transformation and so I guess that's also a reason why I was able to find forgiveness in my heart for white people. Cause there was a mm. period in my time, like James Baldwin said, like a, a Negro with education or whatever is in a constant state of rage. Like I had to get to a point where like, we're all humans. What, like if I'm mad at, at a whole race, like I, a lot of my friends are white, you know what I mean? And I had to, I had to come to an understanding when I was young, this is a long time ago where I came to these understandings, but like you have to be patient within yourself is meditation, right? Being patient is one of the biggest ways for mindfulness. You gotta be patient with yourself and with everybody else. But but we we don't practice that. It's just like straight, straight ready to go for violence, ready, <laughs> ready to go. It's you know, it's the same, and I say this, it's the same people who are pushing cancel culture, right? Whether it's real or not, right? But just the idea of it, right? Are the same people who wanna abolish the prison system. But the reason they want to abolish the prison system is because they believe in rehabilitation. I do too. I believe rather than punishing somebody, we need to educate them and re rehabilitate them, right? And if we're in a society where your first thing you want to do is smash on somebody and say how much you dislike them and how much they're wrong and how much their mistake did this, this and that, they're not going to learn from that. They're, <laughs> if anything, they're going to go deeper into what like I didn't, I didn't block. I didn't uh, uh, mute nothing. None of my friends who are Trump supporters, none of my friends who have who were anti Black Lives Matter, none of my friends, any of that. So my timeline right now, you'll see people. <laughs> I have time. I have anti vaxxers anti-maskers. My timeline is filled with people with so many diverse opinions because I was like, I don't want to live in an echo chamber. Right. And mm. not and I'm not a centrist and I'm also not a Democrat or Republican. I'm, I'm none of it. I'm, I'm a human at the end of the day, right? So the craziest story, I've told this a lot, but this is the craziest story example I have for that. Because like I said, I grew up being very, very interested in people who are different, right? People who are not following what the society wants you to do, kind of because I was that person too, right? So back in college at San Francisco State, in one of my writing classes, a white supremacist fresh out of prison. That's a different type of white supremacist. There's white supremacists, and then there's motherfuckers who went to prison. <laughs> That's a different, that means that motherfucker killed somebody or did some violence towards a black person or some or a Latino person. Those are the majority of people in prison. So one of those groups, and with which I am both, right, has done violence towards my people, hates my people, lives by the ideology that my people are inferior and they should die or whatever, right? was in my class. He had, there was posters all over the school about him because they found out about it. He was in a prison re, I forgot what it was called, uh, a prison program to get him prisoners into college, right? Dude had barely no teeth because he was a meth addict at one point. He had tattoos like, like the real deal tattoos, swastikas and shit. He had spit on some girl, supposedly, we don't know. He had spit on some girl and called her like a wetback or something like that, right? So all these things are coming out, right? Then they found his social media, 
this nigga had motherfucking pictures superimposed of him next to Hitler like they're best friends. He had pictures of one of his things like, um, fuck. There were, it was just, how do you save a refugee or some shit like that? And then the refugee's like drowning. And then he high five like the picture high fives him. And then he goes, then wash your hands. <laughs> he, he, had the, he had the wildest social media. His social media name, Nazi. I won't say his name. Nazi, his name. So he was like the real deal, right? Yeah. He was in committed. Our He's committed. He's committed. The thing about He's him. Committed. And the thing about most white supremacists nowadays that people don't realize is they're not some old, like a lot of people like to comfort me or whatever and say, they're all going to die off. I'm like, the majority of them now are young, educated, wealthy, and in tech, like statistically, right? The the Proud Boys and all these other groups, right? So I'm like, no, they're not going to die off. It's, it, it's, there's, there's, a, there's an education process that has to happen, right? And the education process isn't going to happen by violence or canceling people. It's going to ha- happen through education, right? And so, so hold on, my, my computer's not. So um, he's in my class. And if you know what kind of person I am, I talk a lot, right? Not disruptive, but I'm like first person, like who has an idea about this? Oh, I got an opinion on that. Oh, I got an idea. And guess who was the other person who had an opinion on everything? Him. And he was actually very intellectual. He was a smart dude. People look at him and they're kind of scared of him, but he was a smart dude. And we would have conversations in class. We'd go into philosophical, blah, blah, blah. And me and him, happened to align on a lot of things right so after class we would be leaving and he would want to continue the conversation right and what am i gonna do be like oh yeah yeah, i'm gonna talk to you later no i was like trapped in a conversation with this dude and we would be walking and talking and it's funny because at the time i was really deep into activism but the there was rumors going around campus that i was a white supremacist sympathizer not knowing how much of a revolutionary, who I'm working with, what I believe in, nothing. They were just making those assumptions about me because I was walking with him. And you know what he would tell me? He says, you know, it's crazy. You're the only person to talk to me. He goes, I never would have thought in my life that the only person to talk to me was a black guy. (laughs) Everybody else is afraid to talk to me. Everybody's scared of me. I was the only person to talk to him. Not, not, Not all the way willingly, but I did. And we would have conversations almost after every class. And I don't know if I opened his mind like that one black dude who goes talks to KKK members. I don't know what I did, but I did show him that there was people who were willing to have a conversation with him that were the different race and his own race wasn't willing to have a conversation with him. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's like a perfect example. And when I tell people this, a lot of times in the activist community, especially they disagree with me. They no, we we don't deal with Nazis. We punch Nazis in the face or whatever, you know, all types. I punch Nazis. Like, I'm like, I'm not trying to, first of all, I'm not trying to get physical with anybody. <laughs> Second of all, I don't know anything about this person. I'm not just gonna immediately cancel them. Yeah, I disagree with everything they say, but if if at a at a at the deepest level of who I am, I know what I stand for and I know what I believe in. It's, I think Aristotle said it, it's the mark of an intelligent mind to be able to entertain an idea without accepting it. I can have a conversation with anybody. It doesn't matter who they are. I can have a conversation with you. That doesn't mean I support you. That doesn't mean I just, and I don't have to disagree with you or judge you or anything. I'm just here 
having a conversation with you. And so very few people have been like, wow, that's interesting. Most people have been like, you should have not did that, Larry. You should have told him he was wrong and do, 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 do. And maybe they're right. I'm willing to be wrong. I always tell people that everything I say could be wrong. I'm, I could be wrong. Well, you started, you started this story with the words redemption and forgiveness. And I'm struck by how, you know, if they're not just words, that it takes work. And so, you know, you're, you're talking to this guy who, for, you know, all we can hear, you know, what, what he presents to the world is obnoxiousness, violence, hatred, you know, that's work to sit, to sit in front of that, to engage with that, especially given you're a black man, especially given that you've got Latino heritage, like, you know, I don't think I could do it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's painful. Yeah. Right. Unless you're totally shut down, but you're not shut down because you're connecting with him. So it also like, feels like just to like, like all of your martial arts training and like keeping a calm mind and like being a being like a pond in the middle of the forest and like this guy is a windstorm and you're like it's cool here we are like there's some crazy we're like there's craziness going on around but like I'm yeah you can come sit by my yeah. pond let's let's see what happens it's yeah. like you know all of it so like. All of that, all of it makes so much sense in a way that, that you could, mm -hmm. that you could approach that. It's like a really, it's a really cool story. Yeah. I mean, there's, right. there's, there's certain things like murder, sexual crimes and stuff like that. They're like, okay, you know what I mean? <laughs> there's no yeah. conversation to be had. The rehabilitation or whatever has to be on a whole nother level. But then there's some, you know, I don't know his, I don't know what he went through. I don't think he would be able to go into school if he did some crazy shit like that. But right there's certain things that he's like, man, rather than trying to be clash with somebody say, Hey, this come at it with love. Hey, you know, um, what you said was probably not the best thing. And maybe you should try this, you know? Yeah. And are the, and the thing I notice is even if someone accuses you and then it turns out not to be true, they won't use the same energy to vindicate you. Right. They they'll be like, oh, Larry, uh, Larry, um, Larry drank that smoothie aggressively, and then it turns out they replay the clip. Oh, actually, he drank it very like very calmly, but they won't say, oh, Larry drank the smoothie calmly after that. They're just silent. Walk, yeah. walk away. Yeah. yeah. Larry drank that smoothie like a pond in the forest drinks a smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like it's just we're at a point in society, and I think that's a strategy. Um, a power strategy from people up top, you know, chaos theory, you keep the people, everybody all over the place. We'll never have that unity. So. All right. I, I, we're we're going to be, I know we got to go, but we're going to be remiss if we don't get you to freestyle a little bit. Is that, <laughs> is that possible? Can we do that? Okay. Okay. How about this? I, so what I was going to do was have you two type as many words into the chat. When I come back, I, without even looking or seeing what anything in the chat i just start going all right that's, that's maybe enough yeah okay maybe you... great nice nice okay so here's the list dear listeners redemption stratosphere avocado million trance target crapshoot sweep sonic giraffe blast off friday Pirate, Partition, and Dandy. All right. That's cool. That's a good list of words. And so when Larry 
gets going. He's, he's off in another room right now. When he comes back, we're going to ask him to look at those words and do a little freestyle, incorporate as many of those words. So you listeners are now in, you've got the key to the back you're room. In the, you're in the know, yeah. All right, should we say them again? Redemption, stratosphere, avocado, million, trance, target, sweep, crapshoot, sonic, giraffe, blast off, Friday, pirate, partition, and dandy. All right, cool. I was moving my car, so I, and it was on mute, so I have no idea what was going on. I had to bring a witness, even though, she, even though she, she would be willing to lie for me, but. Can I get a witness? <laughs> oh, well, <that's... laughs> yeah, thanks for saying hi. I love it. I love that. All right, you got words in the chat. You can take them in whatever order you want. You could go right down the list. Uh, they're there for you. Okay. And do you, do you need a rhythm? Do you need a beat? I mean, I know that Zoom is gonna. That's fine. All right. All right. I'm gonna start as soon as possible. Redemption. See, in today's society, we have a different perception. A lot of people like to have a disconnection, and not find a way to see the intersection, so that we could have reconciliation in the stratosphere. I'm gonna let you know that the Mac is here to give you three words like the Musketeers. The three words are avocado, million, and trance. See, the avocado gets peeled so that you can have a stance and see that the green is in your hands. And with the green, that represents nature. See, when I walk, it's like I'm on furniture. See, I got literature for the environment and I'm supplying it so that I could change everything so that the animals and plants could stop dying and shit. See, there's millions of reasons why we need to save it specifically for the seasons because we need to make sure that the earth, I recently read a scientific article that it is actually alive, can continue breathing. See, trance is what we're all in. We're in a state of hypnosis. We are polluting the oceans. We are in a state of psychosis. We are supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Yes, sir. Yes. We are not hitting the target. So right now, I'm going to find a way to start it with redemption, which is the topic of this conversation. You see, one of the words for redemption is reparations. And that's what we need because it's been a crapshoot in this history. And if you study it, you'll understand that the solution is not a mystery, right? The solution is the pollution, not only for the outside, but for the inside as well. And it gets deep down and begins to swell up kind of like a curve or maybe the ocean rip curl. You see, I've been around the world and I've talked to boys and girls. And the more that I speak, I see that there needs to be a cleanup. Otherwise, or other words, we need to sweep. You see, when I am trying to talk about the planet, I know that there's something in the cosmos that's sonic. And it is turning our world into something robotic because it's been commodified and commercialized. Yeah. And it hurts your eyes. And I'm the first to rise to this freestyle cipher 
don't think you two aren't going to get in it because you are going to be a rhymer as well after I finish. But let me tell you what I'm saying. I'm saying that when you start playing at different seances, like Beyonce, you get a beehive. See, they keep the trees alive. See, I'm trying to revive and find that revival for the human survival, right? And you might think I'm just saying this and that, and you might laugh, but I'm really thinking about the animals, like the giraffes. Mm -hmm. See, I like to blast off like NASA stations. And I'm not trying to have any procrastination or ass sensations. I'm just trying to be in the class note taken and learn as much as I could before I smoke inhale it. You see, I can't say I did it myself or that I did it my way. I've had so much help for that show two Fridays ago. And as though I land, I still feel like a pilot. And though I'm on land, I still feel like a pirate. Yeah. And see, I don't have any superstition. I just have improv intuition. And I don't even have a room. I have that shit as my partition. See, I like to partake and participate in parties partially alone. Because I like to be on my dandy, smoking on candy in the comfort of my home. Now, this is not the end <laughs> because we just started. Because now I'm passing it to Ted so he could embark with. I'm going to bark like getting on a boat in the ocean, sending myself off from the end of a dock because we're just starting to talk. We're just getting into it. There's no end. There's no beginning. It's like a big circle that goes around and I can start thinning my phrases until I get to the poetry. The poetry is sweet. It's dense. It's clear. It's everything you need. It's not what you fear. You just start talking and something shows up. And Lisa's going to take it from there like a puppy with a bone in its mouth. She's going to chew a little bit, see what shows up, and then she's going to review a little bit and come around with something else. Okay, but like a puppy who's got teeth that are sharp, it's like you want to hide underneath a big tarp. Just make sure that no one can see you, lest they believe you. You want to be believed, but you don't want to be believed or left the leaves on the tree that fall to the ground in the winter when it's cold. As every single one of us grows day by day older and moldier, and it's, we're sold, but not always. <laughs> Just yeah. <laughs> not always, not in always. It could just be one. It could be two. It could be three. It could be something you pay for. It could be free. I don't know where it starts, but you just take a step like Larry going forward into his next planetary change making. Ooh, and that's game breaking. Mistake painstaking for something that you're gain awakening. <laughs> See, I wish that I could do something that Lisa could do because when she starts to sing, I mean. That's when it's really through. 
is through. That's all. <laughs> like a door going through, right? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Oh, that's awesome, Larry. That's awesome. Man, that was cool. I could have went fast, but I wanted to try just going really, really slow to see how it tiptoe, you know, boom, 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 you know. Yeah, it's kind of a neat mood. And, 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 those of you listening, you couldn't see it, but it, part of part of that freestyle thing is there's a there's a a partnership, and and I remembered it part way through, of like you feed each other, you feed off each other's energy, and so I was trying to give Larry a little bit of energy when he was going, but then when I started rapping, Larry was like hyping me up, and I was like, oh, this is good. I felt so good based on what you were doing, Larry. So there's like that. All oh, right, I, I wish I had remembered to do that for you because it's so it provides this lift, you know? So cool. Cool. Lift each other up. Lift each other mm -hmm. up. Larry, well, thank you so much. Thank, thank you so, you. so much for joining us. Mm -hmm. Tons of wisdom and insight and humor and spirit. And, and you just got so many elements to who you are, who you've chosen to become. And um, it's really fun to be in your presence. And I love you. And it's just, yeah, it feels like you got some magic in, in a bottle and we're all getting to to drink from it. So thanks for yeah. thanks for letting us take a sip. I'm just yes. a, I'm just a koala bear on a leather chair. It's been a total treat. So uh, thank you. Thank you so much for spending the afternoon with us. And, and, and y'all already know how I feel about you. And, you know, again, Thank you for having me on this. It was great, comforting, welcoming. And Lisa, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it's my, it's my uh, gift to know you and, and push some wind on your, on, on your back in, in your direction, so. All right. Well, hey, let's uh, let's get together and hang a little bit and, and play some. And uh, if you take another class, I definitely want to take another one with you. So uh, it'd be you. great. That fun. was actually the first time I've ever freestyled and I'm still shaking a little bit. I'm like shaking a little bit. I was very, I was very exciting. And I was very nervous. So let me just say that out loud. So I would love to learn from you more so I can do that with more uh, joy and confidence. No, all right, y'all have a good day. All right, Bye, peace, Larry. Larry. Ciao. a man of many candles and many uh, I don't know the right images but just threads or just there's so much going on for him and he's got so many uh, wisdom streams to draw on that yeah. it comes into this this really unique mix and and uh, vitality you know yeah yeah so cool so cool does any does any bit of it stand like is anything ringing ringing for you Sort of like still ringing your bell or your anything resonating still well from that conversation I, you know sort of going back to the very beginning of the conversation where we we're talking about names mm. and his impulse to choose a name for himself that feels true to his his ancient heritage and his yeah. current day political 
situation stance or what the changes he's trying to make in balance with his the gift from his father right the name of his father this father playing this rhyming game with him when he was a kid and um yeah just the the thing the martial arts coming from his dad so this real balance between the circumstances he was given and choosing his own circumstances mm. yeah 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 how about you I, i'm also just impressed by like there were so many all so many moments i feel like he's really intentional about about taking wisdom from people and then using it to craft how he wants to live and i and right like all of the times when he quoted somebody he was like you know mm -hmm. in buddhism it says this aristotle said this like this is who said this and i and it made me like there were so many pieces of the conversation that were inspiring in that approach of like read and then and then incorporate it and also just the intentionality around this is this is what and who gets my attention and i and i have deemed yeah. these things worthy of my attention and i don't spend attention on other things it was like man i can't i sort of can't imagine living that way and i'm inspired by it it's like really cool. very inspiring very inspiring yeah, yeah. And, and i'm also as you said at the end there uh just feeling jazzed by even just a little sprinkle of play we got to do with him playing the game the the, the rhyming game and then doing a little freestyle at the end like okay i, I want to do more i feel activated and it's got that kind of momentum. The art form has this kind of momentum. As he said, it's like a drug and it makes you want to go like, let's find out, let me just go practice more, you know? Yeah, 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 so, yeah. Cool. Well, if you, uh, if you want to get in touch with Larry, you can reach out to him on most social media networks with the tag at Larry Dorsey JR. And uh, you can look, look him up at Bats Improv, improv.org, he's performing there on the on the regular and uh catch him in san francisco before he moves to different parts in a year on his on his journey um if you want to get in touch with us you can write to info at monsterbabypodcast.com and uh, we'll be glad to get back to you and hey next episode is going to be our hundredth episode so go to the monster baby facebook page and we're going to invite folks to send in comments reflections stories about your experience with monster baby and we might include you in the 100th episode but we'd love to have your input so check that out there yeah thanks for listening everybody as always and we'll come back to you next time be good people be well we love you thanks so much mm -hmm.